We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. After game 71 of the season, another Timberwolves loss, the 49th loss of the season. Uh, tonight's was by 16 points to a depleted Boston Celtics team that rested many of their main players because they were already locked into the seventh seed. But I still got plenty for you today on the pod. Uh, this is what I'm thinking. Let's, one, uh, talk a little bit about a team in the Timberwolves that is very openly not tanking, having now lost five of their past seven games with their only two wins in that stretch coming against definitely tanking Orlando and definitely tanking Detroit. And we'll talk about what exactly that kind of means for this good vibes Wolves team going into the end of the year. Two, we'll talk about uh, one, kind of take one final stab at this D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio backcourt. It's you know it's getting to be decision time for Rosas on what he wants to do with those two. And I thought uh, Ricky had some interesting post game commentary on why that duo wasn't working at the beginning of the season and is kind of starting to figure itself out now. And then we will close with some talk on Jaden McDaniels. Just you know what position does he play? What is the plan here? But before we get to those things, before we get to those things, let's lay out what is on the line on Sunday in terms of uh, the tanking standings, where the Wolves are going to fall out. Um, the Wolves have won 22 games going into this final game of the season, which means Houston, who has 17 wins, and Detroit, who has 20 wins, are officially out of reach. But outside of those two, there is a chance that the Wolves could finish the season tied with Oklahoma City and or Orlando, who are going into the final game of the season with 21 wins themselves, one behind the Wolves. 
Cleveland is also currently tied with the Wolves at 22 and 49. So this means that there is there is an array of possibilities entering the final day of the season. The worst case for the Wolves is that they beat Dallas on Sunday and end their year in the number six slot, which has that kind of low mark of a 27.6% chance of keeping their pick in the lottery. But there is also a best chance scenario um, tomorrow where the Wolves the Wolves could lose and both the Thunder and Magic could win to put those three teams in a three-way tie at 22 wins for the number three, four, and five slot where they'd split the odds. So that, if you're following along here, if the Thunder, Magic, and Cavs all win tomorrow while the Wolves lose, the Wolves' odds of keeping their pick goes up from 27.6% to 36.1%. That is a huge shift. Is it a long shot? Yes, but... Orlando plays Philadelphia tomorrow, and Philadelphia has already clinched the number one seed, meaning they're likely going to be resting their players. And Oklahoma City plays the Clippers, and if you've been following along, the Clippers lost to the Rockets on Friday because they are apparently trying to fall to the number four seed so they can avoid the Lakers until the conference finals. So with neither the Sixers or the Clippers trying, I mean, the proposition of the Magic or the Thunder winning these games is a long shot still, but it's less preposterous than it would have been, you know, a week ago when those teams were trying. And the same goes for the Cavs, who play, who are again tied with the Wolves, but they play Brooklyn tomorrow, who is already locked into the number two seed in the East. So again, long shot, long shot. I understand, but it's not impossible that Orlando, Oklahoma City, and Cleveland all win tomorrow. And if that happens, and the Wolves lose, that is a jump in the odds from 27.6% to 36.1%. Orlando and Cleveland play at six while the Wolves and Thunder play at eight. So, I mean, if nothing else, it's going to be something to track tomorrow night. And really, it, you know, it's going to come down to how, how little do the Sixers, Clippers, and Nets care. But I wouldn't expect the Wolves to take any precautions to cut down their own chances at winning. Like, we often forget about this, but, you know, it's not just losing the pick this year. Like, there is some benefit of them. They get to keep the pick next year. So... We haven't seen the Wolves prioritize losing. I don't think we're going to see that, you know, in the final game of the season. And, I mean, Chris Finch t today said after the game that, quote, we are not a tanking team. Here's Finch's full comment on the Wolves' kind of disappointing effort in these last two games and how that effort has not been representative of a team that is, you know, trying to gain momentum as the season comes to a close. Yeah, Chris, what's the importance of that game tomorrow night? Because it did seem like you guys were generating momentum heading into the offseason. And, I don't know, it seems like maybe that's dwindling a little bit here from these last two. Yeah, I mean, the importance is that we play well and play, you know, get back um, get back playing with the right mindset, right approach. Has that going away surprised you these last couple of games? Yeah, it has a little bit. It's been disappointing. I'm not going to lie. It's been disappointing in our approach. And, um, um, you know, we need to be better and, you know, I don't know exactly how it falls for Dallas when they come in here, but we're, uh, you know, I would like to end the season on a high note. Dane, go ahead. Chris, where do you feel that the, the locker room lines up in that for the, the mentality of, of, of kind of being a little bit lower these last few games? I mean, Ant talked a little bit after the game, like they were playing like the season was over. Is it you think that's a product of fatigue or just kind of seeing the end line? Like, what, where are the guys at in their heads? I don't know. You're going to have to ask them. I mean, it doesn't look like they're locked in to finish the season the way we wanted to, but you'll have to ask them individually um, what they, where they are. Um, 
you know, yeah, it's been a long season, been a long season for everybody, but at the end of the day, like, you know, we're not, we're not a tanking team. So we wanted to try to finish the season with as much momentum as possible. So, um, you know, we've, uh, we've, you know, we've, we've not been able to accomplish that. Disappointing. I think if you're a believer in the value of whatever, you know, good juju has been accrued here over the past month for the Wolves, like these past two games uh, against Denver and Boston have to be disappointing. I mean, if you've been, if you've been trying to showcase that you're a competitive roster over this stretch, these past two games, both at home of really uncompetitive basketball, those are a pretty big blow to that juju, both Denver and Boston, they ran out skeleton crews of their normal rosters. Like, yes, Jokic played for Denver and Tatum played for Boston, but these games were clearly not important to those teams. And the Wolves have been saying that these games are important to them. And the Wolves have not been throwing out skeleton crews. They've been playing their best players and playing them their full complement of minutes. I mean, you look at the box score tonight and see Cat only played 27 minutes and Delo only played 25 but that wasn't a product of holding them back. I mean, they just didn't play in the fourth quarter because it was a blowout. So on the other side, if you've been pounding the table to tank and you know not prioritize good juju this past month, like these losses are a you know a big card for you to play. Like because I mean, a, a good chunk of whatever was gathered by trying over the stretch. I mean, it feels like it's somewhat being washed away with these efforts that. I don't know. I mean, these efforts more than anything, to me, illustrate how far away this group is from competing with playoff teams. We're going to take a quick break here, um, but then we'll come back with some of that Rubio commentary post game about how he feels he has grown and has not grown in his partnership with D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt this season. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instacarma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and there are free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. 
Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. So I know I have beaten this Rubio Russell backcourt thing like a dead horse this season. One, I get a pass because I've done 71 post-game podcasts and I have to talk about something. But I also do think that estimating the effectiveness for that duo for next year, it, it's a it's a really important calculation that Rosa's and this front office have to like take on this summer. Conclusions made there likely whatever they conclude is going to have a profound impact on whether or not Rubio will be back on this team. Under Saunders, we know the Rubio and Russell pairing was extremely ineffective. The offense was awful, 97.5 offensive rating. Defense was awful, 119.8 defensive rating. That led to an almost impossibly bad net rating of minus 22.3 in the 141 minutes that Rubio and Russell shared the floor in 16 games under Saunders. Since Finch has taken over, the Wolves have a neutral net rating in the 216 minutes that those two have shared the floor over 20 games. And if you look at the numbers, the reason it's balanced out is purely offense. The offensive rating under Finch with those two on the floor is 118.3. Remember under Saunders, it was 97.5. So that's nearly 21 points per 100 possessions better under Finch with Rubio and Russell in the backcourt than it was under Saunders. But the defense has been the same amount of bad. Defensive rating of 118.4 under, under Finch with those guys on the floor. So to me, the real question about those numbers is about context, right? Like a neutral net rating is fine for those two. But you have to ask yourself if this offensive jump isn't just exclusively a product of Towns and Edwards being next to them. I mean, this number blew my mind. Under Saunders, Rubio, Russell, Towns, and Edwards shared the floor for 10 total minutes this season. 10. Under Finch, Rubio, Russell, Towns, and Edwards have shared the floor for 162 minutes. That means under Saunders that 131 of the 141 minutes that Rubio and Russell shared the floor were without Towns and Edwards on the floor next to them. Whereas Finch, 162 of the 216 minutes that Rubio and Russell have shared the floor have come with both Towns and Edwards out there. I mean, that's just a apples to oranges. I mean, in, in many ways, I think that stat can be used as a, a reason to believe in the Rubio and Russell pairing working. I mean, it's simply because their minutes under Saunders were functionally irrelevant because they weren't coming next to cat and ant i mean if you delete those then rubio and russell have been fine statistically and remember we're, we're, we're noting that caveat of the fact that the detroit and orlando games were crazy good for everyone and that affects all the lineup data but still it holds if you want to believe in the rubio and russell pairing point to the fact that the Wolves have had an offensive rating of 120.2, defensive rating of 115.0, and a net rating of plus 5.2 in 162 minutes that those two point guards have been insulated by both Towns and Edwards on the floor. We also know this isn't all about numbers. It's, it's about fitting on the floor together. And it's about synergizing, it's about personalities, and it's about mentalities. Tonight after the game, Rubio talked a little bit about that. Ricky, you and D'Angelo have been starting next to each other for a while now. You've been a, a lot more productive, the, the pairing of you two guys together over the past couple months. Um, how much of that do you attribute uh, just more comfort between the two of you and how much 
would you say that has to do with Carl being back and Ant kind of taking this next step? Yeah, I mean, Dilo is a high IQ player uh, who maybe in the beginning I didn't connect as well as I'm doing it right now. And um, credit to the coach as well, credit to uh, having the whole roster together uh, as well. I mean, I think in the beginning of the season, we played with no cat. And uh, that changed a little bit, a lot of things. Um, having him, knowing how N has played these last games, last part of the season, we can build something good right here. And I feel like I can play along with him and play off each other, uh, help each other. Uh, and it's a matter of time. I mean, we, I think both know how to play basketball really well, have high IQ. It's a matter of time to put all the pieces together. Part of my reason for wanting to, you know, play this clip for you and, and, and run through all these numbers again is, is that we've never really heard Rubio or Dilo for that matter speak about anything that suggested there was a reason that it didn't work. I mean, Rubio saying that those two, quote, didn't connect as well at the beginning of the season is kind of putting to words what we all kind of witnessed early on. That being resolved, if it's actually resolved, you know, that's a big thing. I think I think I too often look at the value of Ricky directly through this lens of his impact when he's on the floor with D'Lo because I need to, like, kind of peel back and realize that we all know this, like Ricky's true value comes in what he brings out of Anthony Edwards. And to that end, if you know, if we value what Rubio is to Edwards, then we have to deal with some potential wonkiness of the Rubio next to D'Lo pairing. I mean, ultimately, if you're Rosa's, you have to decide if you're going to trade Rubio this summer. That's what it comes down to. And part of that equation is definitely about his fit next to D'Lo, but you've also got to weigh his impact on Ant. I'm really asking yourself, how much does what we expect out of Edwards next season drop if Rubio is gone? I mean, that is part of the equation here, too. Now, I think if you're Rosa's, this ultimately ultimately comes down to how good do you see yourself being next year? And how, how important is it to be as good as you can be next year? Trading Rubio for a player who fits better, maybe a power forward, that will likely make you better next season. But trading Rubio might hinder Ant's development, which might hurt you two or three years down the road. So which do you prioritize? I, I think for us, with no skin in the game, you know, we can say that Ant is the most important thing, period. And that doing whatever is best for his long-term development is what's best for the team. But if you're Rosa's, who has some real immediate skin in this game, you know, you might feel the need to prioritize next season a little bit more. Winning. I mean, Rube... <laughs> Rosas has been championing, championing Rubio's value as a quote-unquote vet all year and has, since the beginning, talked about what he brings out in Ant. But Rosas' true assessment of that value will be shown this summer by what he does or does not do with Rubio on the trade market. I mean, this is all also not black and white. The, the trade market will play a huge role in these moves or lack of moves. And it will also be dependent about assessing the rest of this roster. What, what, what does it need? What position needs to be addressed? And the real sliding door here on the roster is at power forward, and that directly ties to Jade McDaniels. What position does Chris Finch envision, envision Jaden playing going forward? That's, that is the huge question.
Brendan Hedke asked Finch about that before Saturday's game. Hey, Coach. So as we head into the offseason here with only a couple games left, we're talking about Jaden McDaniels and the position that he'll be playing mostly next year. Do you hope he develops more to be a small forward or a power forward for the Timberwolves next season? Uh, yeah, another really good question. I think um, we have the luxury of developing them along two tracks. I mean, offensively, they're pretty similar in our in our setup. As you see, like Wancho kind of like seamlessly goes back and forth between the two. Uh, I think Jaden will end up being able to do the same. Jaden's big summer of development will revolve around ball skill, you know, giving him some more ball skill, giving him a package to finish at the rim with a little bit more strength and thrust that he'll put on himself uh, just with a great off-season fitness and strength and conditioning program. Um, you know, his shooting will only get better. That's not going to change no matter where he plays. Uh, I personally think that he has the ability to play and handle and pick and roll. Uh, we would love to see him at the three and but you know he can he can easily be a four and again offensively it's not the it doesn't matter too much in our stuff um but you know if you have him at the three just you just get that extra length on the on the on the floor which is always a help uh and then finally like defensively he can guard pretty much one through four so he's got again um you talk about positionless basketball and we have some guys that certainly check those boxes. Now you can read the tea leaves there as you see fit, but that sure sounds to me like Finch would prefer McDaniels to be a three going forward with him playing power forward being more you know, situational. But that whole idea of developing him on two tracks is about the possibility, it seems, that the Wolves might not be able to address the power forward position next year in any sort of meaningful way, right? I mean... We, we, we know this. There are really only three paths the Wolves can address the power forward position next year. One, trade Rubio and his $18 million salary next year for a power forward at that price tag, attach picks as you see fit. Two, trade, trade Beasley and his $15 million salary next year for a power forward around that price tag. Or three, draft Evan Mobley and play him in the front court next to Cat if you keep your pick. I mean, any other path to a power forward is either very complicated or just going to be a move for a backup caliber player at that position. And to that end, I mean, none of these, none of those things might come together. So it might just have to be McDaniels at the four next year. But man, when I hear Finch talk like that, I, I think his preference is clear. He wants to develop McDaniels in the mold of a wing who can not only defend, but also eventually be a handler. That comment about wanting to develop him as a pick and roll handler is telling. According to Synergy, McDaniels has ran 24 pick and rolls this season as a handler where he either shoots out of that action or passes out of that action. And his numbers there aren't good. He ranks in the 17th percentile in terms of efficiency on those actions. But I just watched those 24 possessions back and you might as well scrap them. I mean, it's abundantly clear that the vast majority of those were, you know, it's late in the shot clock. McDaniels kind of catches it on the wing. There's six seconds left and they run a desperation, you know, pick and roll the free him or free up something at the end. It, they were not they were not drawing up plays for McDaniels to be a pick and roll handler. So for me, I mean, I'm with Finch. I see a player when I watch those that can be someone who eventually handles and eventually reads out of those situations. I actually think I, I think it's pretty criti critical to develop that skill in McDaniels. I think I think it's critical for finding McDaniels' ceiling, which really 
I mean, we've seen him play a bunch this year, but we do not, we do not know what McDaniel's ceiling is because he has been so tight into a role. All right, that's what I got for you tonight. One more game to go Sunday night against Dallas. I will obviously be back for that one. But also know that the pod uh, will not be slowing down next week. Uh, eventually, I'm going to dip probably down to like two pods per week. Um, but next week will be full. Rosas is doing an end-of-season press conference on Monday. So I'll have a pod for you with reactions from that, whatever his commentary is. Britt will be joining me on Tuesday for just a season review. And I'll also get another pod in, a pod or two in next week, previewing the East and West playoffs. So stick around. We're not going anywhere. Rolling through the playoffs, into the draft, and in the offseason. Pod's not going anywhere. I will talk to you on Sunday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.